Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is John Burney, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in San Francisco. He's been a certified teacher since 1981. He's also... Um, has done extensive training in uh, NLP and craniosacral therapy. He's a certified zero balancing practitioner. And for many years now, he has been a spiritual teacher and healer. And we're going to talk today about how the how someone who is on a spiritual path can benefit from some exposure to the Alexander Technique. Or maybe put another way, what what the principles of the Alexander Technique bring to someone who is interested in spiritual development. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. It's a pleasure to, to meet with you and, and uh, be on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure actually talking to you after kind of stumbling on a video of yours on, on YouTube a few weeks ago. <laughs> How great. <laughs> uh, John, could you um, start by giving our listeners a very short description or definition of the Alexander Technique? Sure. Um, well, I think the Alexander Technique is re really... I think the fundamental purpose is really to really bring more awareness in how we actually uh, use our body. That the body, that people, when they start learning the Alexander Technique, really begin to discover that their body is their primary instrument. And it's really how do we play this instrument, you know? And another way to think about it was, would be how do we distribute our effort in activities, um, I think it was Patrick McDonald. I asked him once. He was one of the first people that Alexander certified. I said, if you describe the Alexander technique in the simplest way possible, how would you describe it? And he said, it would be expanding on each movement rather than contracting. Oh, that's good. I've and never heard that just, one before. I know. I love that one. And um, so for me, it's really about um, being more conscious, really. I mean, obviously, as people probably know about the Alexander Technique, that when we learn how to, uh, when we learn the base, the, the, the discovery of Alexander and begin to understand um, yeah, sort of natural functioning of the human organism, um, we tend to improve in our posture and, and so forth and reduce stress in the body. So it's great for stress reduction. In fact, I became an Alexander teacher because at the same time I was a Buddhist monk and was having a deal of trouble meditating uh, cross-legged on a zafu, on a cushion, and was having a lot of back problems and went to an Alexander teacher, uh, Frank Ottawell, to begin lessons to really help me so that I could continue kind of my inner journey, which was a big part of my life at that, that time. Mm-hmm. And I know that from our little conversation before we started this interview that for many years, starting about 30 years ago, you functioned pretty much as a full-time Alexander Technique teacher. Yes, and But more lately, I, I know you still are a teacher and I, you still have students, uh, Alexander students, but you... Your, the emphasis of your work is now more on spiritual teaching and healing. Yes. So a lot of experience in both those fields. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and certainly you might want to relate this to some personal experiences of yours, but what, what, uh, 
why should I'm thinking someone listening who has um, is is on a spiritual path of some kind? Why should they be interested in this thing called the Alexander Technique? Well, I think uh, one one of the reasons, as I was mentioning, is that it could really uh, potentially help them become a lot more aware in a way that they're not um, struggling in their physical body. I mean, so much of the spiritual path is about letting go of struggling or letting go of suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think even, even Alexander, uh, without even knowing it, called his work non-doing. I mean, in, in a sense, it was mm-hmm. very Zen. And I think a lot of us who were involved with Zen Buddhist practice back in those days and back in the uh, late 60s and early 70s were very drawn to Alexander because he seemed to have a deep understanding. In fact, Marjorie Barstow, who was, and I know you knew Marge, Mm -hmm. she was the first person that Alexander certified in 1932. She told me that she knew that Alexander had tapped into something much bigger. He didn't know what it was. And I think he was really tapping into uh, sort of the mystery in the sense of an energy consciousness. Yes. In fact, you know, it's uh, interesting, Aldous, Huck, Aldous Huxley, who was one of Alexander's famous students, described the Alexander technique as thinking in a direction. But mm-hmm. he didn't mean thinking like analyzing. He meant literally that where you put your attention, energy goes there. In fact, I don't even like to use the word spiritual that much anymore. I, I actually, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm in consciousness development and energy management and i think in a lot of ways alexander training really at a at a level of that sort of non-doing and really beginning to understand how the energy body works through this physical body uh, can really deepen people tremendously i think i think a lot of people need help in becoming more conscious in their bodies in a way that they're not creating more stress, in fact, in a way that they actually can release stress. Mm -hmm. So the Alexander Technique really, I think, properly understood and trained allows people to feel a lot lighter, a lot freer, a lot more open, a lot more present. And um, so I think there's, I think they're very aligned, actually. I think it's a Mm -hmm. very aligned. Now, I don't, I mean, there's a range of people out there, and I wouldn't just generalize because obviously, as one of my uh, teachers once said to me, you know, there's many good methods out there, and uh, but it's not the method, it's the practitioner and your relationship to the practitioner. So I think that in that sense, I think many people have how what they bring to the Alexander Technique would be very unique in their own case. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So someone who was looking, someone who was looking for a teacher would want to somebody with a spiritual background. I would think would want to meet somebody in the Alexander world who would be fairly tuned in in that way. Yes. And well, and I'm I'm thinking of y- your experience of originally coming to the technique was to mm-hmm. to to sit more easily in yeah. in Zen meditation. Yeah. And I guess that's a pretty good example if if non-doing mm-hmm. is a I I assume to be a feature of uh, Buddhism in general. Would would that be accurate? Well, yes, I think yeah. yes, I think it is. And, and so, if it's a feature of of Buddhism, then if when you are practicing it by sitting on a zafu or whatever, and you're doing like crazy to be sitting up straight, um, <laughs> there is kind of a contradiction there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. 
and and right. I think the tech the Alex I mean on that level certainly and I I'm not I have to say I don't consider myself an especially spiritual person but I have worked a lot with um over the years with people with in Zen sitting they bring mm-hmm. they bring their cushion and just the same way I would work with someone in a chair really right. uh in a regular nor a classic Alexander lesson and um I can see that to me seems a very obvious way in which the technique can be useful. If you're sitting even in a chair meditating, you want to sit comfortably. If you're doing a walking meditation of some kind, uh, presumably it would be good if your walking were as easy and, and stress-free as possible. Right. But would you say that beyond that, those kinds of examples, which... I think are pretty easy for almost anyone to understand. Is there a deeper kind of yes. non-doing? And that's what I'd yes. like you to address if you, yes, if you absolutely. could. I mean, you know, when, when Nicholas Tinbergen, as you know, won the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine in 1972, mm-hmm. he devoted most of his acceptance speech to the discovery of Alexander and really about the head-neck relationship and the fight and fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. And, we, and what Alexander discovered was that because he would lose his voice doing uh, Shakespearean soliloquies, he discovered after many years of watching himself in a three-way mirror that his head was pulling back and down, and that what that really was was that he was in uh, in startle pattern, the fight-or-flight response, which is basically a kind of reaction to stress, which is a contraction or, or a fear. And so, you know, that kind of... Learning to let go, learning to become conscious of one's primary defensive mechanism in the body, which is fundamentally contractive, mm-hmm. is actually can initially be a very vulnerable opening. And letting go is the hallmark of all spiritual practice. It's really about surrender. It's really about actually becoming aligned with something much bigger than oneself. It's, you might call it energy, you might call it presence, you might, you might call it the Tao, you might call it Buddha nature. There's so many names for it. But you could even, and I think in Alexander's sense, you'd call it direction. Actually, what he Yes. And he didn't mean, you know what I mean? So there's a, there's a much deeper kind of transmission that I think someone who's really awakening or really tuning in deeply is going to discover, whether it's through sitting on a Zafu or doing Alexander technique or doing Tai Chi or something like that. In fact, I often used to refer to Alexander because people, when I first started practicing, never heard of it. And um, and I was working largely in the performing arts community. I had grown up as a concert violinist. And I would say it's like practical Tai Chi. And they could relate to that because they knew a little bit about Tai Chi back then. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of, it's a kind of, it's kind of aligning this, deeper energy with the physical movements Mm -hmm. that actually the Mm -hmm. intention is really coming more from not from a willed place or a kind of pushing place but really more as a kind of almost like if you could use the metaphor of the fragrance of a flower the quality of that movement of the fragrance is really the energy of our of our true nature and i -hmm. think in that sense our spiritual nature and what alexander i think was uh, help, helping people get in touch with was really this kind of freedom. Because I think that, you know, neck free really is that direction when it's really profoundly realized is very, is very, is awesome. Right. And the opposite, neck not free or <laughs> yeah. stiff necked, uh, is 
of um, specifically alluded to in the Old mm-hmm. Testament a number of times, mm-hmm. and uh, God gets very irritated um, with stiff-necked people. That phrase, <laughs> that phrase shows up at least four or five times. And I, and I don't think the judgment helped anybody. <laughs> no, no. But um, I know that in, a, in um, I, I'm not sure whether this is from a specifically Christian tradition or not, but and a writer who I have enjoyed reading is a guy named Emmett Fox. I don't know whether you've heard of him or not, but he was kind of a metaphysical uh, uh, British guy maybe 50 years ago. And he says, and I don't, I'm not sure this is even original with him, but that there are really only two emotions, love and fear. And in general, or pretty much always, fear is a has a contractive, physically contractive aspect to it. And love has a, an actual physically expansive aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And if if that's a division that makes sense, um, certainly one of the things you learn as a student of the Alexander Technique is how to stop contracting. Or as the other Marjorie, other famous Marjorie in our field, Marjorie Barlow, said mm-hmm. it it allows you to take up all the space that uh, nature intended for you to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really, it's amazing. I mean, I think the work changed my life. I mean, I I, uh, I think it was an incredibly important part of my own inner growth, without question. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know that um, uh, at, uh, Alexander Technique has on occasion been called Western Zen. Uh, mm-hmm. my, guess, my guess is... From what I know of Alexander, he would have not been very happy with that description. <laughs> not, not so much because it isn't true, but he didn't like to be, a, he was not the kind of guy that liked to attach himself to things like Zen or. Right. Well, even when somebody asked him how he was, he'd get angry because he goes, because he would say, they don't even know how they are. How could they even ask me how I am? Right. You well, know, he, so he, he, was, <laughs> he, he, he could be cranky. He could be cranky. And he, he was, was in some way, he was a character and in some ways um, a very logical person. Mm-hmm. That, that last same. So, um, John, is, is there uh, anything else that you would like to say? Uh, again, thinking uh, of someone listening to this who is doing some kind of meditation or spiritual practice that we haven't touched on that might be interesting for them to hear before we before we come to an end in our conversation. Sure. Well, I would I would give people a little. I would invite them to do a little experiment, which is that you know that often many meditation practices, for instance. Um, have people pay attention to breathing, the mm-hmm. movement of the breath. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the most advanced practices is to be aware of the breath, but to allow the breath to breathe you. So you're not breathing it. And actually that requires a profound getting out of the way. And I think that if somebody, and it might be scary or might, someone might be aware of it, but feel like, no, no, I'm doing it. I can't not do it. And I think that would be an example in anybody's experience who's listening now. They don't have to know anything about the Alexander Technique. Just to sit quietly and to be aware of the movement of the breath and see if they can allow the breath to breathe 
them. And that, I think, would give them a clue into this whole realm of effortless being, which uh, I think is the hallmark, certainly, of uh, Alexander, certainly the hallmark of my work. And it would, it, it's, I think it's a wonderful way to begin to really find out how letting go is possible. Yes, and it's interesting, uh, you know. Alex- we can't we can't actually let go. It's we have this idea that we are going to let go, but that isn't how it works. Letting go happens by itself. Yes. And so, so I think this is really a very simple little thing. I would invite everyone to maybe just see what happens. You know, just looking into that, just to, just see what happens. Just have a little experiment. It's interesting, uh, F. Matthias Alexander, the developer of uh, the technique, when he first got to England and started in the early part of the 20th century, he was, he was born in Australia, he, he became known pretty quickly as the breathing man, that he was oh, the, he's the guy you went to if you were having uh, breathing issues. And in, um, there are... He, He's credited with a lot of aphorisms over the years. And one of them that's directly related to what you just talked about is he quotes a student who says, Oh, I see. When I don't breathe, I breathe. <laughs> How about that? Pretty- you know, what's interesting is that he's, yes, that's right. and um, That's a good one, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah. You know, he's from he's actually from Tasmania and yes. one of my students actually is from Tasmania and he told me that he's like a national hero down there. Everybody knows who he is and he's just like, you know, he's like a, a hero. And they all know who Alexander was in Tasmania. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean Ta- Tas- Tasmania has two famous uh people, F Matthias Alexander and Errol Flynn. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, that's Tasmania's. Uh, I think they're the two most pe- famous people to come uh, from uh, Tasmania. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, I think maybe on on that note, uh, this would be a good time to to bring our conversation to a close. Uh, my sure. guest has uh, today has been uh, John Burney, who is an Alexander Technique teacher, and. Uh, and also uh, works now primarily as a spiritual teacher and healer in San Francisco. Uh, John, if someone wants to have Alexander lessons from you, are you available for that? Oh, I am, yes. I'm pretty busy, but, you know, they could certainly um, get in touch with me if they're interested. And you could certainly advise them on other teachers there in the area. Right, right, certainly. I will put a link to John's website by the interview so if you live in the san francisco area and you want to explore the alexander technique that might be a a place to to go and and contact john we'll also put a link to a website that will enable you to find a teacher anywhere else in the world um john thank you so much for being on the show today robert thank you so much it was a real pleasure it was a pleasure at this end as well